Hey y'all, today I get to talk to Chris Sanchez, aka Wanted Peak on YouTube. Uh, we talk about music, wrestling, um, great gear, and uh, yeah, you'll learn how Chris got so good, how he practices. Um, in my opinion, you got Victor Wooten, Evan Brewer, and Chris Sanchez. So please listen, like, subscribe, and uh, yeah, leave me some comments and let me know who you want to hear from next. Thank you so much. When when did you know music was going to play a, a part of your life? Um, honestly, probably when when I was growing up, my dad would have a lot of Black Sabbath and ACDC, like just movies playing. And I always thought it was so cool just watching the bands. And then I went to my first concert. I think my first concert was ACDC, probably 2008 or 2009. And man, I mean, it's ACDC. You know, it was so loud. Even I even had earplugs and I was at the literally nosebleeds. It was insane how loud it was. And I was like, man, this is so cool. And you could feel the bass rumbling. And I was just like, man, that like, I always wondered what that felt like. And I, I didn't end up getting to it until later, but that made me want to just go out, just start playing, you know? Yeah. So, um, man, ACDC, where was that at? I think it was at the AT&T Center. Yeah. Or I don't know if it was the SBC Center still or AT&T. But... Yeah, one of those. Hell yeah, that's yeah. that's awesome. Um Okay, so you that was like your first show, and you uh, were you into music then? Like, were you just like a just a listener, or did you really like want to start learning, or did that maybe inspire you to start learning? Um, I had already been playing for a little bit at that time. I think I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school then, but before then, I I I'd say I got more into music and wanted to play music when I was probably like nine or ten because my dad's a huge kiss fan and he collects a lot of memorabilia and things he was buying a lot of uh like a bunch of replica guitars kind of like ebay you know cheap ones just to look cool and he had this gene simmons punisher bass that it was like somebody put the studs in there from like a belt you know those little whatever ones yeah and it was just like whatever and he had it and i didn't know anything about tuning instruments or how to even play but i just um like i would pick it up and you know pretend i was gene simmons and geezer butler and whatnot and I said, like, man, this is really cool. And it made me want to, like, from then on, like, I, I wanted I wanted to take it serious, but I was young and there's no internet. No, like, for me, I didn't know anything. So I just kind of would just, like, it was probably way out of tune, but I would just play on it, you know, with my thumb. I'm like, oh, cool, I'm a rocker, you know. <laughs> Damn, rocker fool. That's yeah. cool, man. Um, so your dad was real into, uh, you can go by. Sorry. My daughter. <laughs> uh yeah that's cool your dad was real into kiss um my dad was really into rush and he kind of like and pink floyd so i was kind of getting my my fixes that way um so you had already been playing like or you kind of doodling around right when did you start taking i guess uh, or i guess when did you know that bass is like the instrument you wanted to play hmm well i've always felt like I don't know what it was besides like I was saying earlier that my dad, he had a lot of black Sabbath tapes and ACDC tapes. I don't remember what it was, but he had this black Sabbath like live movie and I was, and I was watching it and you know how geezer Butler always wears like the long black sleeves and he plays bass real low and I would see his hands and the way he plays, how he doesn't anchor his hand and it's always floating. It just looked like he had like, like floating hands to me. And I don't know why I thought that was so cool. And I was like, man, that just made me like it even more. And on top of my dad having these, you know, these replica bases around, I would throw on my, you know, it sounds dumb, but I would throw on my jacket, just pick it up and just 
do whatever and be like, man, I feel like Geezer Butler, you know, it was, like seeing that was one of the things that made me want to, you know, made me want to get into it like in general and it just kind of all from there. Like that just put me on a path to just going, man, you know, even though I was, you know, really bad for a long time. <laughs> Got to yeah. start somewhere, you know. For, for sure. I mean, Sabbath and Geezer Butler is like a perfect starting point. What was the first like a uh, Geezer line that you, you learned Man, I don't, I don't even know, like, in general. But I know the first bass line in general I ever learned was probably, um, I think it was uh, Breaking the Law by Judas Priest. Because yeah. it was roughly, I guess it was, it was roughly in tune. And it was just right there, I think, <laughs> on the A string. And I was like, like, that made me, like, even playing those, you know, few intro notes, that made me feel like, as a kid, made me feel like, oh, I, like, I'm doing it, you know? Yeah, for sure, it man. Young age. Yeah, just writing the root note forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah man uh priest is is so badass just even like that new like wave of british heavy metal kind of music that's cool man um when did you start wanting to like join bands or form any bands um i would say probably when i was in middle school you know i had friends that they would get together and they would play and you know i would see videos of them you know jamming you know whatever like metallica songs and all that and i thought that was cool and i never really wanted to i never really like met up with anybody or had friends that i would play with i just kind of was just by myself at home but i i got um i got on myspace and i saw a lot of you know my myspace band like myspace deathcore bands and hardcore bands and so i learned about like the local scene like here and there's one band that i remember because i had a friend named john michael and he had a band (laughs) called my city underwater and I had, I think I had, you know, I had some of the members on, on MySpace and I saw there's going to be a show and I was like, oh man, local shows. I, I didn't, I didn't even, you know, cross my mind that that was a thing. And I was like, man, I want to go to, I was like, I want to go to local shows to see this band called My City Underwater. And I wouldn't go for a few years, but slowly got into going to the White Rabbit that, you know, what I heard about from my friends. And that's when, that's when I, uh, like, I think it was on my 16th or 17th birthday. I went to a local show, some random show. But even just seeing all these bands, it was like all these death metal bands, deathcore bands, hardcore. There's bands of all types. And that just really, really made me want to play, you know. That made me want to like, oh, I got to find some I got to find some guys that are interested in music. I didn't know what I wanted to play. I knew what I, I, knew what I liked and, and the bands that I listened to. But as far as what I wanted to play, I wasn't sure. And I was like, man, I got I to gotta get started. I got to get in the scene somehow, you know. Yeah, for sure. Dude, it's so cool you bring up MySpace because I think like at least for us – that was a way to discover new bands. Like, um, I mean, like our parents had the radio and stuff and they're listening, but we're just chilling on MySpace. Like, I, I don't know about you, but like I would I get sucked in to like find a band I like and then who's like their top, their top friends or whatever, their oh, top I'm, friend bands and just yeah. rabbit hole. Uh yeah, what what's the first band or yeah, what's your first band like where you played the rabbit with? Um, it was uh, I had a friend that had like a little metalcore thing going on, which I wasn't super. I mean, metalcore is like a, there's like so many different types of it now, but like for me back then, like I would say metalcore. Like for me, I guess thinking about it now, like those metalcore types of bands, I would I would call all, like All Shot Parish, which is like obviously a MySpace deathcore band. I'd be like, oh, metalcore, you know, that that whole style. <laughs> and so my friend had that kind of band. And, like, I would hang out and they would be jamming. I would just be watching. And then they 
we're going to play a show and they needed a bass player. I think the band was called From Dreams to Nightmares with my friend Brian and my friend Dave. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm just this awkward, like 17, 18 year old. I have a six string bass. You don't need six string basses for metalcore, but it's like, hell yeah. Got my Schecter tuned it, I think tuned it up to drop C or drop B. And that was the, those first band started playing, playing shows. We could play jam stage, like the jam stage five o'clock, you know, when people are still outside, you know? Yeah. I remember those days, man. It was still, even, even though it was probably like five or six people watching, you know, when you, when you play, it just was so cool. It, like it made me, even though there was hardly anybody in there, it still felt like, you know, cool. I'm doing something, I'm doing something I want to do, you know, no matter if it's like a bunch of people or little people, it was just badass, you know, it was just really cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. I think the rabbit did a really good job of um, just allowing like local band to start, even if it was like a 30 band bill or whatever, like it was cool. It just brought everyone there and you made a lot of friends. Saw saw a lot of bands. Uh, do you remember what gear you had when you, when you played that show? Definitely. I remember everything. So I had, I had uh, an Ampeg 810 that my dad and my grandma, I was super lucky. Like my dad and, and my, and my grandma, they, you know, they knew what I wanted to do. They knew I love playing gear. So, you know, they would, you know, help me out with some of the stuff. So I had an Ampeg SVT classic 300 watt tube head and I had the matching 810 cab. It was always cool to me. I was like, Oh, that's the, when you, when you watch a late night and you see the bass player, that's, it's a stack, you know, that's the iconic stack. So I had that. I had the uh, MXR M80. You remember the the little two two knob bass, what, distortion pedal, preamp yeah. pedal? Mm-hmm. I had that one. And I had my Schecter Stiletto Studio 6 six string. And I had it strung up with a five string set of DRs. <laughs> I don't know why I was playing DRs. But I think it was, I think there were the neon ones or whatever that everybody used to, you know, be super like, oh, they're neon, you know? The yeah. Ones. That was a rig, man. Hell yeah. Um, man, it was like your gear has been phenomenal. Like, when did you start becoming like a real like gearhead? I would probably say maybe around 2012 or so, because my friend John Fry, my friend Fry, we started jam we'd always been friends and we started jamming together. And he would always have new, he'd be rotating through gear sometimes and he'd have this cool seven string and then he would have another guitar and then he would get rid of it. And he, I would ask him like, where do you get the guitars and stuff? And he would, he got me into pawn shops. It's like, oh, that's cool. So it started with going to pawn shops because he would find all these deals at pawn shops. And I'd be like, oh man, that's sick. Like there used to be, you could find like the older, the Ibanez seven strings, you know, like the budget ones that are, that would go for like 300 new, 400 new. We'd find them for super cheap. And I'm like, man, so I started doing that. And it started from getting all these cheap guitars, getting them, flipping them. And then, you know, you save up enough money and you can get some, you know, a little bit more expensive. I wasn't like I am now where I see something. I'm like, mm, let's go throw it on the credit card, you know? <laughs> yeah. I would go to the guitar and go, you see, cool. This is a cool five string on the wall, man. It's got EMGs in it. You know, I just started slowly. Yeah, probably, I'd say probably around 2013, 14 is when I started. I would get rid of a lot of gear. And I just started buying, you know, a couple of, you know, expensive. I would buy new guitars because I was just buying a lot of used stuff. And then I went to, I would go to the Guitar Center in Sam Ash and buy some, you know, check out the new guitars and the new basses. It just spiraled. I mean, you probably see now I'm just getting stuff left and right. Yeah, dude. Um, actually, uh, when I talked to Seth, he he brought up your uh, Tosin Bossy guitar you just got. Um, yeah. Yeah, everyone's drooling over it. Oh, here, here yeah. it is. 
<laughs> man so nice um all right put you on the spot what's your favorite piece of gear or actually not gear let's go what's your favorite bass or guitar that you've ever owned oh man let's see <laughs> i mean i have different ones for different reasons but probably i think my favorite bass i've ever owned ever was a i forgot what series it was but it's um it's just a squire jazz bass like one of the 250 it was i mean i think now they're like 300 350 but it was like 200 or 250 at the time it was a it was like a classic series jazz bass that my my uh my grandma got me a long time ago and uh like i still play that like i have all these cool i have you know the Schechter, ibanez kiesel i have all this but i still one of the ones that i play the most is still that that little cheap squire the pickups barely work and the knobs you know you get the when you're messing with the knobs but and it still has all i never changed the strings on it. i've had the strings on it for a long time it just sounds dead but it's just even now like the stability of that instrument is insane for being how cheap it is like i'll keep it like in the super cold it'll be really really hot and that neck won't move and it just feels it's like the perfect setup that i've been searching for since i started playing super low action everything it just has it's had it the whole entire time it just took me learning on all the other stuff to come back, you know, to my original one and realizing, man, this is perfect. Like, and, you know, being that my grandma passed away and everything, that's, you know, she's a huge part of my life. So it's just like every time I look at it, it just reminds me of her and like where I was and, you know, when I got it and stuff, it's just super, that's, it'll probably always be my favorite. Like I always play it. I'll never get rid of it, no matter like how cheap it is. It's just super sentimental, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's an awesome story, dude. Um, yeah, my grandma is like a major part of my life too, so definitely supportive. So that that's really really cool to hear. Um, so we'll get into a little bit of gear. Uh, I was watching uh, that YouTuber Fluff, and he was talking about him recording like lower tuned uh, songs, and he's like just using MIDI bass, like when he gets pretty low, uh, and he also mentioned using like a lower tune bass, but then just pitch uh, shifting even lower to adjust to the song. Like, how do you feel about that? Like, how do you feel about the technology that's, that's like available now? Yeah, man, it's crazy. Like how it is now, because you can have like a whole freaking, a whole band set up and just be one guy at home, you know, and you can make all these recordings. And, and when it comes to live, you know, you can use tracks and all that, but it's just crazy, like, especially when it comes to bass, like, there's so many good bass, like, MIDI bass plugins that sound good, that you almost, it's like, oh, man, it's like, our gig is in jeopardy sometimes, you know, these newer bands, but yeah, I've, I've taken the same approach, too, like, to playing live, because I don't always want to, like, if I'm going to play super low, you know, I don't want to have to file down the nut, you know, like, on a particular bass, because then you can find, like, different blanks, and you can always, you know, like, nut blanks and stuff, you can always put, like, a new one on, but, man, if, especially if you're going to go, like, like with a low tuning a lot of times you got to go thicker strings and that's a whole other it's a whole other thing for another day but i mean that i've done the same thing too like i used to play with a band that played in drop e like super low and i would i first i thought about just matching playing you know playing a five string and using just my regular e string for that low octave and either pretty much using a five string bass in standard with the low b and playing everything i guess backwards like leading on the e and then going down for the b string and i was like oh it's not really gonna work and i didn't want to put like a one well a lot of guys go crazy and they'll use the super like freaking bridge cables you know yeah but you know still like use like the 150s and 160s 
And I, I didn't want to do that. So I would tune my bases to like drop A and I would use like those pitch shifters and I would go down kind of low and it works. But I mean, there's just, there's nothing like better than having the base tuned like as low as it can go. It's just, there's pros and cons to everything. And I just try to avoid that altogether. But I mean, there's many ways you can do it, but it's like whatever gets the job done, you know, it's not, there's no like, oh, you use this or use the plugin. Like, how dare you? Like, I'm better than you. It's whatever. Yeah. It's about, you know, the the art, the music. So whatever, like whatever you need to do to get it, you know, it's up to you, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. Do you feel that you've gotten into like that mentality as you've gotten older, like as an older musician? Because I remember I used to be like, oh, this dude's using a pick. You're not a bass player kind of deal. And then, and then I was like, started using a pick. <laughs> but like, do you feel like you yeah. just you grow into that mentality as you've been playing? Like, you I guess we just realize it's about like the song, necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, like what's most important to that? Yeah, yeah. So I used to be super like when I was younger because you know, listen to Metallica, you listen to the first few albums, you're like, Cliff Burton didn't need a pick. You know, Jack Jaco Pastores didn't need a pick. It's like. Mm. It, it doesn't matter, man. It's it's all about. I mean, that's if you want to be the guy that's like, oh yeah, like like you see the death metal guys use their fingers, and you see the death metal guys use picks too. It's like, what's whatever whatever you got to do to get the sound. You know, it's like, are you really gonna get that mud shovel based home with your fingers? <laughs> hey, use a pick. That's just how it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. I used to for a finger snob when I was younger. Like, oh, he's using. I would go to the rap. Even when I was playing shows, you know, as, as like an eighteen, nineteen year old. See, band like, oh, he's using a pick. Who needs a pick? I'm like it. I mean, honestly, I don't want to say it's easier, but like, depending on what you what you want to do, it's like you can do whatever you want, and it's just all about your preference, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. As you get older, you're just like, do whatever you got to do. I remember back in my day, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um. All right. So an alternative to using picks like is double thumbing, and like, there's people that double thumb that are like phenomenal and that's victor wooden evan brewer and you and i don't know how the hell <laughs> you do it but like we like you talk about your double thumbing and like how that came about man so i've always been i mean watching like victor wooden videos and all the old dvds and stuff i've been seeing that he would do just the up and down thumb which is what a lot of people do i'm like i'll just when i was younger like all the harder things but like, don't worry about that later I'll do it later. And I started seeing how he would use his index and middle finger. I'm like, man, that's crazy. And I would just see it and be like, oh, I'll, like, I'll, same thing. I'll learn it later. But there's like this one video. It's like an instructional video that he has where he showed how he did it. And I started playing in this deathcore band at the time. And uh, there's a lot of stuff where just sometimes doing like the Steve Harris. I'm not Steve Harris, man. I don't got the two fingers that yeah. free like a thousand miles an hour. It's like, I'll, I'll do the three. Like, dude, it blew my mind when I found out that he gals with two fingers he doesn't use the three that's crazy i can't do that yeah that, that's yeah. too much yeah, but like i started doing like the galloping stuff like, oh this is cool but just for the fast stuff you don't want to be going too fast because or you don't want to be just like killing your forearms man you know so i'm like i want to find an easier way and then i remember it does this thing and evan brewer same thing he does that in metal that that's great like to me i used to when i was younger i would think oh you know you don't think slap Oh, you only you or you used to think you do slap. You got to play R and B. You got to play funk. That's where it fits. But then I think I think it was like uh, I think it was uh, Evan Brewer. 
I saw that he's like using all these techniques for things that they're not normally associated with. And just the combination of Evan and Victor, that just, that put me on a path to just, I'm going to do whatever I want. Like no matter what kind of music it is, but I was just trying to play fast. So I was like, okay, I'll just try this, this double thumping with your index and middle fingers. And I watched this video of uh, Victor Wooten doing an instructional. And, and then I, um, I was like, okay, well, let me try this on one of my songs. And then I just sat there and I was just watching this video of him. You know, I watched the same little five minute block of this video from not even lying, probably about six or seven hours real late at night. Cause I'm just like a super late, you know, up all night guy. So I was just sitting there and I was, I practiced for like, my arms were killing me. And you know, it's like, you can practice something and if you're not getting it or you're starting to get it, you put it down and then you come back and then you kind of have it. You start developing that muscle memory. And I just kept at it over and over. And I, I figured out, like, I was lucky that I figured out, like, it clicked in my head, like, how to do it. I'm like, oh, this is, I don't want to say it's easy because it's not easy, but, like, I figured it out. And then just every day just practicing, you know, my same routines and just making all this stuff up. And then eventually, man, I'm just flying, like, I mean, I can't take all the credit. It's, like, my guitar player, like, Fry and then our old guitar player, Kenny, from that band, man. They would just write these crazy riffs that I'm like, I'm not going to use a pick because I just like the way my fingers sound. I can play with a pick, too. I just don't ever post videos of it or I don't ever, you know, I just can't, shh, I'll stay, yeah. I'll stay, we'll stay on the yeah. and just practice, man. Like whatever, whatever anybody has that I have to play, what's, I'll think, what's the easiest way to do it. And for me, no matter what it is, dumping is just the easiest way, easiest way. So I just, just the over years of just literally just sitting there and like as generic as I say, just sit there watching TV and just repetition, man. That's just how you get it. I mean, just practicing, you know, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Do you have any other, um, like, practice like workouts you do or do you have like a set kind of like warm-up you do or is it just you're trying to learn a new technique and you just go to that technique yeah well depending on what the technique technique is i'll basically i'll try and understand what the technique like say it was thumping understand what it is but i also don't learn techniques just for the sake of knowing them it's like whatever technique I'm, I'm learning or using, I want to make it musical. You know, you don't want, don't want to be like, oh, I know how to slap. And it's like, okay, cool, play something. You're like, mm, well, I know how, but I don't know yeah. what to play, you know. Other than that, I just do a lot of like before I play, so that way I don't fatigue myself out. I do a lot of like just hand stretching. And it looks, I'll show you. So what I do is, you know, everyone goes like this. But I do, I think it was on Low End University, Mark Michelle, who used to be in Scale Summit, um, watch one of his videos and what he does. And he does like all these exercises like this. But one thing that I do that I saw in his video is it looks kind of goofy, but I'll sit there and go like this mm-hmm. just for like five, five or 10 minutes, especially if it's cold, just sit there and do that five or 10 minutes in any random motion, any motion, like, cause for me, I used to have a lot of strain right here because I would tighten up, you know, bad techniques when I was younger. So I'll just loosen it up and then just massage my hands. That's what I do more. I do a lot of that more than, like actual techniques, but I just have like, I'll just play random, random, like random little exercises. I just came up with in my head. I don't really practice the thumping thing because that, that comes pretty naturally to me now. It's almost like second nature, but I just do a lot, a lot of random, just noodling. It doesn't, it's not even musical. If we play it plugged in, it would sound like, you know, guitar center, like on the weekends, they're freaking <laughs> mashing everything, but yeah. I just, just get the blood, you know, that's, that's what I like to do. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, what's the fate? What's your favorite like bass riff you've ever written? Hmm. What's well, more of like a tapping thing, but like in this deathcore band, I had this thing on my six string, mm-hmm. where it's like during a breakdown, I would just 
just do this little tapping like just goes up the fretboard across all the strings i don't even know what i was thinking when i came up with it it's just i like to do a lot of tapping i like to just i, I know there's always you always you never want to just be like in come off as come off if somebody just shows off and i don't try to do that i just i'm just like a, i have like a shredders mentality so i just if i can make something cool you know i'll do put a little flashiness here but I, I, I was super into tapping at the time and I just came up with this little tapping thing. I think it was because I, I had learned Currency by Evan Brewer or something. And I was like, man, this is cool. I was like, man, I want to I come up with something in the song. So I was just freaking just going, man. There's uh, lots of little shreddy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, when you're performing too, like, you want to be a showman. Like, you understand your role as a bass player, but you can also do things a lot of other bass players can't do. So it's like, show, show it off, man. Do your thing. Um you had that video of currency up on your YouTube, right? Your uh, currency yeah. cover, man. I saw that. Like, I, I got into a real big Evan Brewer kind of phase, which I think probably a lot of most metal bass players will. I saw. I came across that. I showed John Michael. It's like this dude can already do this. Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna do this. Um, no, but that that's badass. Uh, and so speaking of youtube like you have a youtube channel um so like what's your youtube channel all about um well it used to be man it's it's it used to be kind of all over the place but now i just want to i just want to post more gear videos or review videos i'm not the really the best when it comes to talking to a camera like i'm talking to a person talking to you right now i feel fine but when i sit there and record i got red light syndrome man i'm like um uh, uh so i just like to keep it to just the playing i mean i'm i'll get over my fear of talking like to the camera at some point but i just i want to put out more a lot of bass uh, bass videos where it's like you you see you know i, I see a, i watch a lot of bass like reviews it'll be like a metal bass and a guy be like, okay cool and he'll just play you know funk over it like, okay <laughs> it sounds cool it's like, yeah, I, I want to be the guy that you see a bass. It could be a metal bass or not a metal bass. Like for me, it's like, does it metal? You know, that's like my mentality because that's what I play the most, you know? So I'm just starting to post more videos or I've, I've been recording stuff, but, you know, I'll get in my head about something. and say I don't want to post it. So I'll record three or four videos and be like, ah, it's not good enough. I'll just leave it there. I just want to do it. But I want to, po I want to post more like gear videos, like when it comes to the instruments plugins the pedals the amps you know just all sorts of stuff slowly i mean i mean i've had a youtube channel since, i've had a youtube channel since i think late 2005 around when it started my little brother said like, oh there's this video website and i was like don't go on there man you're gonna get a virus this is like 15 <laughs> but you know I've, I've always been like big on youtube and wanting to wanted to post stuff but when i when i was younger i was like i want to do this i want to do this instead of actually doing it you know talk about it but just yeah. lots of like, related stuff i want to bring like Whenever you see questions of guys that are like, oh, well, does it, does it sound good in low tuning? Can it do this? Can it play this? Like, I can post on Facebook all day. And you can post and say, oh, yeah, it'll do that. Trust me. But, you know, you want to hear it. You want to see it. So, like, I, I want to be able to bring that to videos. Yeah, that's, that's a badass, man. I think you're the perfect person, too, especially, um, like, with the gear and stuff you have. Uh, and you've been playing the talent. So, definitely wish you well. That, that's going to be badass. Um, you're actually the, your video is the reason I bought a base forge, because um, you did a video using uh, what JST base yeah. forge, yeah. Uh, Rex Brown, yeah, yeah, yeah. Super, super badass. Sounds sounds really great. Um, so, what's your like? 
what's your mentality when you're writing uh, new songs? Well, see, with me, like, I'm not the best songwriter or riff writer or anything. Like, in my band, my current band, Life Cycles, you know, I'll, I'll contribute what I can as far as, like, guitar riffs. But I'm, I've always been more of, like, a, I've, always been, I've always, like, I'll hear something and I was thinking, oh, what would sound good underneath that? It's like, and a lot of the times, like, because Life Cycles is more of, like, a thrashy, straightforward. It's kind of, you don't really want to go too far away. You know, you don't want to take away from what the song is. So a lot of times my mentality is, you know, play, I'll play for the most part what the guitars play and I'll change up some things here and there. Like say you have a guitar player playing this chord. I'm like, oh, I have a five string. I can play the lower octave. You know, I'll just change up little things like that. But it's like, I like to do some of the, you know, the shreddy stuff, like whatever. I just, I can just hear things sometimes like I'll be jamming. Say, oh, I want to try this out. And I'll just give it a go until I find the notes that I want. Most of the time I just like to, even though it comes like I can be flashy and stuff when I play, I like for me it's whatever fits the song. I just want to sit in there and just do my job. It's because it's not about me; it's about the song in general. So I just like to you know I know where my place is, so I just like to stick there. Kind of like the the Judas Priest, how the bass player like that Judas Priest effect, where all these years like you never hear any flash. He just freaking grooves, man. He just stands in the back and just rocks out. That's what I like to do for the most part, with a little bit of flashiness here and there, you know yeah for sure uh, so when when y'all write um music do do your guitar players like already have riffs or do y'all just kind of practice and come up with stuff on the spot a little bit of both like sometimes we'll we won't well, especially right now with uh with whatever going on you know i'm not gonna say the word but yeah with, with everything that's going on um like everybody will be at home and like I'll send one of my guitar players, you know, a little clip of something and then some, and then another guy will send to a group chat. Like, Oh, I came up with this. What do you think? And then when we were jamming all the time, just like practicing, you know, we would, we'll try and come up with something and be like, Oh, I'm feeling this or let's try and write this. And we'll just, sometimes it's cool to jam it out, but we can't always all be in the same room together. You know, you got four or five guys from different schedules. You got some overnighters, you got people doing, you know, who knows what all the time. So it's like a combination of both. And then sometimes, we'll go into the studio with ideas and with with riffs and we'll go in there and we'll go in with a producer with with chris moore in this case and we'll all just all together just come up with ideas and we'll just you know just repeat things and just come up with stuff you know just throw it throw everything at the wall and whatever sticks you know yeah man man. uh so you you talk about producer and chris moore and chris moore is like amazing um when did when did you start like recognizing that you could like go to producers for like help or ideas or like when did that become a realization because i know at least for me like i've always been like oh like we're doing it ourselves but you get the opportunity to go into a studio or work with someone and like they've been doing it for a while too and their ideas are also um like helpful and stuff like that so when when did that become like a realization for you that you could also kind of reach out for opinions or help or however you want to put it for me it had it was probably 2014 yeah same thing i had always you know recorded we record the demos ourselves or with a friend who has fl studio or something we're just gonna record oh it's cool and we just go to him he hits record we do whatever we want and then boom we're done but with one of my bands, went to with Chris Moore, I went to go record. 
And uh, I was, you know, just when it came, uh, came time for me to do my bass lines, I'm like, okay, cool. I want to try this or I'm going to, I'm going to record this, you know, getting, um, was getting the feedback like, Oh, what if you change this? What if you did this? And I'm super hard headed. I'm like, no, I want it how we want it, how you want it. I want to do it like this. Just hit record. You know, you think you go to a producer. That was, that was a wake up call, man. Like you think you go to a producer, we're going to pay you this much money and you hit the record button and then we go away and you hit magic buttons and it sounds how we want it. You know, it's not how it goes all the time, you know? And so I'd be like, Oh, I want to do this, you know, throwing suggestions and I'm super hard headed at the time. And I, you know, getting, get into arguments and then my guitar players, my guitar players are like the in between. They're like, "Oh man, we'll calm down. We're trying to do this." And eventually, you know, when you let your, you know, I don't know why I felt like I had maybe like some ego issues or something. But once you let that go, man, you, like like I said, it's it's about the end product. It's about the music, the creation. So it's like whatever you got to do. If you got to change up some parts, or you got to take advice, or you got to collaborate with your producer, like it's just gonna make for a better product, like overall at the end. Yeah. Um, so this is something I didn't send you. So this is going to be a fun conversation. We're talking about like, uh, you know, music and using producers coming up with everything that makes your song good. Some people that uh, also like really need like a good song is pro wrestlers, right? Their entrance music could make or break them sometimes. Who's your favorite? What's your favorite wrestlers theme song? Or what's your favorite theme song, wrestling theme song? Favorite wrestling theme song? Ah, oh, man. Mm, I was prepared for this one. Um, it, it, like, there's different time periods, different eras. Like, but for me, one of my – okay, the first one, the first, like, wrestling theme song, hearing it in person, going to wrestling as probably, like, a four-year-old or three-year-old was Gangrel, the Brood theme song. How evil what, dude. And then they came up with a fireman. Whew, that yeah. was awesome. But probably my, one of my favorite theme songs, like, of all time has to be Eddie Guerrero, Latino Heat, like, I mean, it's my, it's my favorite wrestler, man. There's so many, there's so many good ones, man. Like, you could just go down the rabbit hole. You'd be like, oh, Shawn Michaels, that was a good one. <laughs> Kurt Angle, you suck. I mean, it's simple, but I would probably have to go, honestly, with the Eddie Guerrero, though. Eddie Guerrero theme, that Latino Heat one. Hell yeah. Eddie Guerrero's, oh, man. So good. Um, and maybe for people who don't know, which if they follow you, there's absolutely no way they don't know you're just a wrestling, a wrestling oh, yeah. fan. I mean, you can see see in the background. Yeah, and then I'm wearing. I don't know if you watch. I got the, the, the Abaddon shirt on. Hell yeah. Um, I I don't have cable, so I don't watch it too much. But uh, I'm pretty familiar with with a lot of those those wrestlers. Um. So, okay, another wrestling theme song. What's your favorite theme song that's been like uh, that a band has created? So something like CM Punk or something. You know, he had Killswitch for a while, then uh, Cold of Personality. Like, what's your favorite theme song that a band has created that a wrestler's used? I think probably, um, what's the song called? Kane's theme from when he was massless, uh, Slow Chemical or whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't man. know who sings that one. That's a good one. Um, I think um, Alistair Black had the incendiary song, right? That's another good one. Yeah, same thing. There's been so many good ones. Uh, 
CM Punk with a kill switch, which was also Randy Orton's theme song for one show before it was CM Punk's, I think. I think you're right. I think I saw that somewhere. There's so many good ones, man. Wrestling's so good. You are you AEW over WWE? Um, I don't think I don't think so. Because I've been going to I've been going to WWE WWF shows since I was a kid. It's like one of my first memories is one of my first memories ever was being at a WWF like a I think it was one of the house shows leading up to I forgot what pay per view was where it was uh, Triple H versus Cactus Jack they were doing the street fights mm-hmm. back in the nineties so I went to a house show and that's like one of my first memories being at this show and hearing um, hearing Cactus Jack's theme song I mean I'm I, that's always been my thing but with AEW it, it feels more because it's it's newer and like I've been to a bunch of AEW shows I think last year like when they started man I went crazy like I sold a bunch I had sold a bunch of my guitars I was just with my credit cards buying tickets left and right I was going out of town for all these freaking shows man but like I mean I'll always be a WWE guy because that's what I grew up on and I watch others throughout the year like I watch Ring of Honor I've watched Impact. I went to Impact shows. I watched TNA. I watch a lot of stuff. But I mean, I grew up on WWE. But I, I love AEW for the wrestling, and I like WWE for like the the storylines. Even though sometimes they're not the best, but there are there are some good ones sometimes, you know. And you know they've been in business for a long time. You know everyone's got their flaws. There's a lot of issues. People always complain about this and that, but. At the end of the day, it's just about entertainment, and like that's one of my favorite forms of entertainment. It's like live music and pro wrestling. Since I was a little kid, have been my absolute favorite. So you have the opportunity to record a theme song for one of your favorite wrestlers or any wrestler. What? Who do you pick? Whose theme song are you writing? Let me see. Are we going any wrestler in any company? Any, yeah, and just any wrestler in any company. Man, I feel like Will Ospreay could make we can make him I would love to make him the most upbeat, just heavy, bang your head metal song like ever. <laughs> what do they call him the aerial assassin, right? Is that him or am I getting confused? But, man. I think you're right. Yeah, New Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hell that would yeah. be sick. Yeah. That's also like that would be like a dream just to have a wrestler's theme song. That'd be real tight. Awesome, man. <laughs> like that's how uh that's how um, with some with my friends in Cold Casket, like they have some heavy songs, man. And we would always joke, like Xavier and I would always joke, like some of their songs, like the choruses, they sound like they would be the intro to like an old WWF show, you know? Hell yeah, like Union Underground or something. Oh yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Um, so let's see, what's uh, what are some of your favorite like memories playing here in the local scene? I would have to say probably like when I started playing shows, I think around 2011, just playing shows in general, the local scene back then was insane. Like, and I know it was, it was like just as good before, but when I came in and started playing shows with my first couple of bands, man, you could, you would have a local show at the white rabbit. There would be hundreds of people. Like there's videos on YouTube from some of those shows back then. And you would see like maybe like three or 400 people for a local show, you know? And like some of these, you know, big local bands, um, had the same fan bases that you would see with like big, you know, national artists. So like some of my favorite like memories were just either just local shows that were just super packed, like from start to finish, because you would have those 20, 30 bands. So everybody would bring, you know, their five or 10 people. I want to see this band, I want to see this band. At the end of the night, everybody's hanging out. 
just a bunch of young kids wanting to you know hear heavy music it was a lot of a lot of hardcore a lot of deathcore it was just a lot of everything back then and just good times man you're even opening for opening the shows for some of the touring bands there'd be so many people it, it was just good times man it's not what it used to be you know yeah um i feel that man what what do you what do you think uh happens after after this pandemic you know like what do you how do you or what do you think the music scene like the future is for for like the local music scene or the music scene in general i think i think once everything is safe and once like on a like on a bigger spectrum mainstream like everybody is like more safe people are more relaxed and more comfortable with going to shows i think it's gonna i'm hoping and i think that it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome and it's gonna start to feel like how it used to because i mean i feel like we all took it for granted like being able to oh let me just i'm just gonna go to this show i'm gonna go to the at and i'm gonna go see i'm gonna go see metallica i'm gonna see deftones i'm gonna see all these big bands or even local shows oh you're just gonna get together with your friends and we're gonna go to this local venue we're just gonna hang out and see all these bands you know it's not it's just not happening right now. I mean, there's bands that are still, you know, playing shows here and there, you know, big bands, local bands, but just like to that level that it was before. I think everybody, everybody wants, everybody wants to get back to that, you know, so everybody's excited. And I think that once, once everything starts happening again, once people start playing shows, like, I think it's just going to be like, I think it's going to start booming again, like how it was beforehand, because, you know, it's just, we just don't have live music right now. And you know how we want it. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I'm. I'm stoked, man. I'm ready for a show in front of people. Like we've done a live stream show, and while it's fun, it's just it's not the same. It's not the same getting like that energy. Um, so so we can start wrapping a little bit. Um, where can people follow you uh, on social media? So um, I I mainly use facebook and instagram and i have youtube also and it's on facebook it's just my name christopher sanchez but on instagram youtube and like i think twitter and everything else is just wanted peak it's just that across everything and i'm pretty active you know everywhere like i try to be as much as anyway um where did that name come from it's kind of funny like it came from i think back when the xbox 360 came out I wanted to play on Xbox Live, and you had to create a gamer tag. And I was like, okay, well, let me come up with a name. And I, I wanted to use Pegasus Kid, which used to be Chris Benoit's name, like when he wrestled. He was, I think, Pegasus Kid, or he had a bunch, like a bunch of different names, like that were similar to that. And I was like, okay, cool. And I tried to type it in, and it wasn't available. And back then, I think I remember on the Xbox, it gave you the option, like you could type in, oh, bass player ninety three. They'll say, oh, it's not taken, but it gave you suggestions. And it gave me suggestions, and it said, or you could generate a random one. So I clicked generate, and it had a list. And I was like, man, I want to play Call of Duty. So I just, I didn't care what it said. So literally the first one, it just said wanted peak. I didn't even know. What, I just clicked on anything, and I was like, oh, I'll change it later, you know. And I just clicked on that, and it's just been my my gamer tag, and I've just been using that as my you know username for everything since. It literally doesn't mean anything at all. It's just too random. <laughs> people, uh, people ask me, what does that mean? They're trying to say, oh, what does it mean? Or you're talking about this and that. It's like, it doesn't mean anything. It's just, I wanted to play Call of Duty, so I pick a random name. <laughs> yeah. Xbox gave it to me. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Um, well, dude, it was nice talking to you. Uh, 
I'm excited to see some new content that you're going to be putting out on YouTube to hear some new music. Um, and yeah, I guess, is there anything uh, else you want to say or, or want to plug your bands, anything? Yeah, I'll say, well, thanks for inviting me on. And also my band Life Cycles, we've been recording music and we're not sure when we're going to put it out. Hopefully soon. We're looking to put out some new songs, man, some freaking headbangers so you can be standing at the bar and just freaking <laughs> doing the headbang, you know? Hell yeah. Yeah, check out live on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Soon. That's all, that's all I can say, just soon. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Um, it was nice talking to you, and we'll definitely catch up again, dude.